All right, let's do this. Hey guys, I'm Parker Kane. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Upbeat. I share a lot of motivational stuff and info on social media, music, and entertainment. But I will also be sharing my personal experiences and interviewing all kinds of other people for their stories and their experiences, finding and pursuing what they really love to do. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome to Upbeat. I'm your host, Parker Kane. Thank you for being here and for listening in. I appreciate it. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving too. Uh, And if you've been traveling at all, I hope you've had safe travels and that all is well and that you are stoked and ready to kick off December strong. Uh, And before moving on, I just got to say thank you to my amazing family for making Thanksgiving so good this year. You guys are the best and I love you. Uh, And before diving into the episode, I also just got to plug some exciting news here for you. Uh, I've had the incredible opportunity to work with some amazing friends of mine in creating a new Christmas music video for Hashtag Light the World. We got Ashley on some strong lead vocals. Uh, You can find her on Instagram at Ashley Music, and that's A-S-H-L-A-Y Music on Instagram. And we got Joseph shredding on some electric guitar. His Instagram is Joseph Peterson Music. And Peterson is with an E-N. And then, of course, our videographer, none other than Ryan Carr. His Instagram is at Ryan Carr 8. Cars with two R's and the number 8. So, yeah, that video is coming soon. uh, So keep an eye out for it. I'll be releasing it on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. My Instagram is at ParkerKane.co. We had a ton of fun making the video, uh, and we can't wait for you to see it. But anyway, without further ado, I am so excited for today's episode. It's another first for the podcast and for myself. I haven't had a guest come on the show a second time. And today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go round two with Jeff Meyer. Be sure to check out his other episode on Upbeat as well. It's number 21, Neuroplasticity and Becoming a Mental Ninja. Let's get into it. Jeff, welcome back to the show. I'm honored to be on the show a second time. Does that mean I didn't do very well on the first time? <laughs> no, you did well. You did really well. In fact, your episode is uh, one of the most popular ones. So I wanted to say thank you for that as well. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And I, I think, uh, you know, what you're doing is just phenomenal. And I will definitely make sure that everybody I come in contact with um, listens to your podcast because I think it's a really cool thing. Well, thank you so much. So I'm excited to be on again. Well, we're excited to have you, and, and thank you very much for that. Uh, and this time on the podcast, uh, I guess before we dive in, because I'm assuming we've got some more, uh, I guess, unique topics to cover that we didn't we didn't discuss the first time. The first time was more uh, learning about the brain and about you and your career. So just to kind of catch the listeners up, if maybe they missed that episode, can you briefly share with us who you are, what you do, and maybe what we covered a little bit last time? Sure, sure. Um, so I, I actually, I coached uh, uh, basketball. I coached at Colorado State University and at University of Northern Colorado in five different high schools. So over the last 30 years, I've been a basketball coach, but I got my, my bachelor's degree is in social psychological kinesiology and my master's degree is in pedagogy. So I studied sports psychology a lot. And last, five years ago, I decided to start a little company called Jeff Meyer Mental Edge, and I started working with athletes on the mental side of what they do. And so uh, that just, it's crazy within, it all started with 
one of my really good friends had a really good friend. Uh, his daughter was a very elite gymnast, and she was really struggling mentally. So he called me up and said, hey, would you work with her? And I'm like, I'd love to. I was working another job at, at the time. And uh, the the owner of her gym saw a big difference in her and said, hey, what's been going on? And she told her. And so I met with the owner. Long story short, within three months, I was working with 60 athletes. Holy cow. And so I came home and my beautiful wife said, you need to figure out how to do this full time and quit your other job. Now, <laughs> there's not a lot of women out there would say quit this job and start this thing brand new without any money at all. I mean, we started with zero. And so in the last five years, I've really developed it to where we're working with about 300 athletes a month in group type situations. And also one-on-one, I'm working with professional athletes. I'm working with collegiate athletes. Um, I just, it's been crazy. I gave a talk and in this talk, a parent came up to me and said, I'd love to talk to you. Come to find out he was the director over training of a government agency. And so I'm working with government agencies right now. And a heart surgeon reached out to me and said, Jeff, I, I've gone to 17 years worth of school. And I don't know how to calm my hands when I operate. He goes, it doesn't happen all the time but it happens every now and then, and I don't know how to deal with it. And a shaking hand for a heart surgeon's probably not something you want. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little scary. Probably the patient, the patient too, probably doesn't want it, you know? Yeah. And so it's just really blossomed to, to what I'm, I'm doing now. And, you know, over the last year, I've really kind of refocused on some of the things that I teach. And so I'm teaching people how to harness the brain power of your heart. Most people just think that our heart is a pump and our heart is much more than that. So that's kind of where I'm going to maybe take this conversation a little bit to teach people how our heart, it is so important and we don't think of it. Now, we think about it on Valentine's Day, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the heart has kind of like a, uh, almost like a cheesy element to it. They they talk about it like a, like a cheesy Valentine's Day type of thing, but not really in like a serious way. Right. And so, and that's, and that's where I'm trying to change things because, you know, they think it's squishy, you know, <laughs> when I, when I sit down with a six foot six, 300 pound lineman, you know, on a football team <laughs> yeah. and I start talking about heart. I'll be honest, I get a little bit of uh, eye rolls, but then we start digging into the science of it. And then, you know, the athletes start thinking, oh, I I understand this. You know, I understand that intuition or I understand, you know, sometimes I do something, I react in a way and it's not my brain telling me to do it. You know, it's it's my heart, you know, and let me I just want to tell you, let me let me go over just some things real quick for the listeners. Yeah, so let's our do heart it. has neuro our heart has neurons in it. Our heart can think, it can understand, okay, it can remember. So here, let me just I'm gonna re, I'm gonna go over just a couple things. So our heart starts beating in the unborn fetus before the brain is ever formed. So our heart is there before our brain. There's a two way 
communication and it's constant between the heart and the brain. The heart sends more information and now they're saying it could be five or six times more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. The heart sends signals to the brain which helps inform or makes better choices. Parker, have you ever had that time in your life where you're doing something and all of a sudden you think that just doesn't feel right? Absolutely, yeah. And so that's our heart, right? That's the intuition of our heart saying, I shouldn't turn left or I shouldn't do this or I should do this. You know, you, you have that, you know, maybe something tapping you on the shoulder, you know, and if you're looking at a spiritual uh, perspective, you know, there, we have understandings of that as well. But I think this intuition thing, I, you know, with everybody, everybody's heart, everybody's heart has this. And so teaching an athlete or teaching a mom who's stressing out. So I have a da- I have, I have three daughters. That's why I have no hair <laughs> and, and, and one son. And my three daughters, the two oldest are married, and between one has three kids and one on the way, and the other one has two. And the other day, I was talking to my middle daughter, and she said, um, she's sick, she's pregnant, and she's going to be really embarrassed that I'm saying this. But so she was just taking her husband is on a on a business trip. So she's home with the three kids by herself and pregnant and she said it was actually this morning she called me up and said um i was taking out the trash and i I, there was some diapers in the trash that's why i was taking it out and she goes i smelled um a dirty diaper and as she was walking out on the driveway she threw up all over the driveway oh man you know because of that that smell and then the same day her little uh, one-year-old son, he usually, uh, he's, he's pretty good about, you know, n- not going anywhere. Well, he actually didn't make it and he stepped in stuff and he's trying to wipe it all, you know. So you look at the stress that these, you know, moms go through and this can actually help a mother. It's not just athletes. It can help a heart surgeon. It can help a lawyer. It can help anybody. It can help a student. So the stressful situations that life presents itself with, how do we deal with it? And we usually deal with it by using our brain where I'm trying to teach people how to deal with it by taking it to their heart. And there's a lot of things that, you know, hopefully in the next little bit, people will learn about their heart and it just makes sense, you know, and so understanding this is, is such a cool thing. And I've seen, so if we think in a negative way, our body releases chemicals in our body that makes us feel the way we think. And so when I work with athletes, that's one of the things that we really work with is how they think. And if I can take their thoughts and shift it so they're thinking about things of the heart, there's science behind this says that it releases chemicals that actually will repair muscles faster, that will make us feel better. You know, you, you've had so, okay, tell me, I remember you, you performed in front of 35,000 people, right? Yes. Okay, so tell me how you felt when you did that. 
extreme adrenaline uh not honestly not even just because of the excitement of having a performance in front of that many people but the the people that were sharing the stage with me i was kind of nervous to be around those those celebrities and those icon iconic people and uh, it made me nervous but it was like an exciting nervous and I just was filled with adrenaline and it was probably one of the best performances I've ever, I've ever done. So see, and the reason why I ask you that, because the heart, it synchronizes all your systems in the body so that you can function in harmony with all these different systems. And that's called incoherent when you're in coherence. So coherence, is this state or, you know, people have called it flow state or in the zone, things like that. So your heart can train all your systems to work together. And when you're, you know, you felt it before, like in the zone, when, when it's just like, man, give me the microphone and and just step back because it's go time. Yeah. You know, when you're that way, that's all your systems working together. So for an athlete or for a performer or for a doctor, right? Name anybody. When they get into this flow state or this synchronized state, their life is just better. There's science behind this that says for an athlete, when you're in, when you're in this coherent state, your reaction time speeds up. Your mind is clearer so you can make better decisions right? Um, you're releasing these chemicals in their, your body that make, actually make you feel better. See, and you know, I, we talked about this a little bit earlier today. I work with a lot of kids. And so the suicide ep- epidemic that's going around, you know, it's just, it's crazy. You know, we need these people here. And so if they can understand some of these things on how to maybe take some of those worries and some of those stresses, some of the depression, if they can understand and maybe take it to their heart, your heart shows you gratitude and appreciation and things like that that make you feel better. And so teaching these, you know, these young people different techniques on how they could do that, I really believe it could help change their life. You know, and it's it's, it's not there's a lot more to it, but just this little part could really help somebody, you know, that's maybe thinking in a really negative way, get out of that funk and, you know, maybe start in a different path. So I've, I've been studying a lot, you know, on suicide prevention and things like that, because it's just such an epidemic. And I do work, um, I'm actually going to go out and speak here, um, probably in a month and a half. Um, to uh, the Air National Guard, you know, to a bunch of sh- uh, soldiers. And, and you know, I just read the other day, it's actually gone up to 21 and a half, almost 22, you know, whoever had served in the forces, suicides a month. 20, that's almost one a day, you know, and I'm just thinking, man, this stuff could really could really try to help you know not only you know youth but also 
you know, people in the military because they, you know, they, they go out and fight for our country and they see some terrible things. And I think, um, if we could you know, maybe teach some of these techniques, I think it could really help, you know? And so another little thing here, your heart signals to the brain centers in strategic thinking, reaction time and self-regulation. So, you know, if we can re- self-regulate, you know, the word resilience is is a really important word in the in the work that I do when I work with athletes to become, you know, more resilient. And so it's that capacity to prepare for, recover from, adapt in the face of stress and challenge and adversity. If we can understand that and become more resilient, if we can, you know, develop our children to be more resilient. One of the things that is really cool, I, 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 um, Marco with my kids. So every once in a while I'll get on and say, Hey, I want you guys to do this. And so it's kind of a neat thing. And so one of the things that I've, um, I heard a little bit about, and then I started doing some studying and then I kind of developed on my own, but it's like, wouldn't it be cool for a parent that has young children to get a little whiteboard and on the whiteboard, you can write for the kids. I can do hard things. And every week you have a little four-year-old or five-year-old, you pick something that is hard for them to do. And then you teach them, help them, and you make them stick with it until they accomplish it. And just think if you did that every week where it's like, so I have a, a, a little grandson who was really struggling tying his shoes. Now, you know, you're not going to quit tying your shoe. You know, you're going to eventually, I hope most people are not going to say, no, I'm just done. I'm not, I can't tie them. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, but de- developing these hard, these little things and at, at such a young age. So, you know, and then you you have something else or maybe you learn a different, or you're learning how to play the piano, you learn a really hard song or, you know, you just, you teach them that you can do these hard things. When I work with athletes, that resilience word sometimes is a real struggle. And I think athletes are probably up on the scale because they've done, you know, they do hard things every day. So I'm working with a, uh, a uh, runner in Chicago. And this is funny. I actually have a picture. She sent me the picture. So I'm trying to make her more mentally tough when things in, I'm trying to have her take it to her heart. You know, mental toughness is really just your heart. It's really emotional resilience. It's dealing with those emotions. And when we talk about emotions, it's usually about the heart, right? It's not about our brain. You know, I don't say to my wife, I love you with all my brain. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I I actually have said it, and she looked at me like I was really strange. They, with this girl that I'm working with, so I said I had her wake up at 4.55, and it was actually this morning. I had a session with her last night, 4.55 in the morning, and in Chicago, it was going to be negative 7 degrees. Wow. And I made her go out barefoot in shorts and a T-shirt and stand there for three minutes. And she actually took a picture 
and sent it to me this morning. She was standing. She told me she's going to be standing next to her frozen pumpkins. <laughs> and so, but you know, so why do I, why do I have, you know, somebody do that? There's a lot of reasons, but one of them is it's hard to do, you know, she doesn't like the cold. So that even made it harder. You know, she wants to, she wants to find the heat vent and throw the blanket over it. Mm-hmm. And so developing these, you know, these hard things, just think if we challenged ourselves every day to do something that's just a little out of the ordinary, that's a little hard and something that we can accomplish. Just think how much better your life would be. And then, you know, when I, like with my grandkids, hopefully by the time they're in middle school, high school, college, when they have these hard things that they run up against, it becomes more of a challenge and not something to shrink from. I see it a lot nowadays with kids. It's like, oh, that's just too hard. I can't do it. You know, they they quit before they even start. And so building this resilience, you know, and I I teach athletes is kind of like a battery. You know, you have this battery and your resilience, you know, when you when you start the competition, are you are you fully charged or do you start off empty? You know, if you're starting off empty as an athlete, you're going to struggle through the competition. And so I talk about energy drains and how these energy drains we, you know, and it, it's throughout the day, you know, it's like, a, you know, if you're a college student and you spaced out an assignment and you get to school late and the girl you thought was really cute that you might go out with, she just told you no, right? So it's all this different stuff. And those are all energy drains. How do we, first of all, recognize that we're, we have those energy drains and then how do we plug them? How do we get so that our battery it's charged, you know, so the more resilience you are, the more energy you'll have available when you really need it, when those challenging times come up. So having more energy means you have greater capacity to self-regulate, to be in charge of how you respond in certain situations. And it's just so important for an athlete in competition, it's obvious, right? You're going to get knocked down how do you deal with it? You know, are you going to blow your top or are you going to be emotionally or are, are your mind is the big winner when your heart is in coherence? So you'll make better decisions. So, you know, I just, I just look at the, I just get so excited because most people don't understand this or train this at all. Most athletes have no idea what I'm talking about, you know. And so with this runner, just an example, I worked with her three times in one week from one meet to the next meet and teaching her some of these techniques from one meet to the next meet, she dropped 33 seconds in her time. Wow. Crazy, right? Those, those kind of results. But it's not, only, it's not only for that. Like I said, it could be for a mom who's struggling with four kids, you know, and just and just feels like there's no hope, you know? And if you could teach them some of these techniques that would take their thoughts to their heart and really develop that. And, and I, I teach, so I, I'm in partnership with a company called HeartMath, and they're the ones, they've had 30 years worth of study 
about this and how important it is. And there's scientific studies that prove these things can really help your life. They say people that are in flow or incoherence, if they're in that state, they're happier people. You know, so I'm, Parker, I'm, I'm attempting to write a book right now. And uh, it's not easy. <laughs> you know, and I can just tell you, uh, if my English teachers knew that I was attempting to write the book, they would be laughing right now. <laughs> but <laughs> I... I look at it and there are times where I've been writing and man, it just, everything, it flows away. So I heard a really great definition the other day of flow state and the definition of flow state um, that I'm starting to use right now is that you become non-existent. And I thought about that and I thought, gosh, that's so true, man. When you're in this flow state, when you're when you're feeling creative or and things like that, right? Times you, you don't think about time; it's non-existent. You don't have any problems, right? All your problems have dissipated because you're just in this flow state. And they say flow state it actually kind of shuts down our prefrontal cortex, which are, is kind of our uh, the CEO of our brain. It's the you know it's the big daddy, and so. It, it kind of shuts that down and lets everything else flow. You've been in that state when you're beatboxing or singing, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you just, I guess a good way to put it, you've already said is just, you feel like you're in the zone and everything just kind of disappears while you're in that moment. Yeah. And just think if we could live our life in that moment more. Like the ability to, I guess, go there and leave there when we'd like to, or like flip it on like a light switch, that kind of a concept. Right. Right. So I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm doing more studying and there is actually some studies that are showing that maybe there is a, uh, a way to get into it. Right. There's techniques that you can train, you know, and this is one of the things I, I definitely train with athletes, but just, if you could live your life so that when you sit down and you're focused and everything drifts away, I mean, I read a study and they, within the study, they said, if a person could get into flow, uh, I think it was like 60% in a day, they could work one day a week and get just as much done as they do five days a week. Now that's, that's pretty cool, right? That would be, doesn't everybody want to work maybe a little less? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Or be able to accomplish more. So, you know, like with my book that I'm writing, you know, there are days where I really struggle, you know, it's like, man, I, okay. I just spent three hours and I wrote a paragraph. Yeah. And then there are other days where it's like, holy man, I just wrote 12 pages in an hour and a half, Dang. you know, and it be- becomes so creative. And, and you talk to really good writers. I've talked to a lot of them since I've, you know, been doing this. And yeah, they, they understand what that is. The, the creativity starts flowing, you know, your mind's opening up. Your heart is in a great place. You know, we don't, we don't really think about our heart and performance. And most people just think it's a pump to pump blood. 
even the word performance, like I don't even think, I think when they hear, when people hear the word performance, they automatically think of an athlete or a performer or entertainer. Uh, but really performance is a word that applies to every single person. Like in whatever we do all day long, we're still performing. And it sounds like connecting your brain with your heart or having that better, uh, communication between your brain and your heart will just excel your performance in whatever it is you're doing. Perfectly said, young man. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I learned from you know, the best. And, <laughs> you know, and if we can train that, see most, you know, most people hear the podcast and then they'll go back to their daily life. But my goal is to have them start thinking more about their heart, more about if they're incoherent, this word coherence is a big word because it means all your systems are flowing together. And when that happens, that's like the sweet spot. You know, that's when, um, you know, I was, I was speaking in a university the other day and I said, guys, if you are trying to date a cute girl, you should learn how to think with your heart because you can look like me and you can date a beautiful woman if you have the right heart, right? So it makes up for my lack of looks and my hair, right? My poor <laughs> wife. But so, but understanding this is just a huge thing. You know, when I tell athletes, it's like, look, when you become more coherent, your reaction time increase so you're quicker every athlete in almost every sport wants to be quicker mm -hmm. makes makes sense right and your mind so a ceo if they if the ceo of a fortune 500 company can become more coherent his mind is clearer and he's able to make better decisions under pressure and so training these systems is just huge, you know? And of course, you know, if you're a heart surgeon, you're able to handle those situations and make those decisions because, you know, some decisions have to be made very quick. If you're sometimes, if you get your brain involved, it's going to take you on all these different trips, you know, should I do it this way? Should I do it this way? Should I, you know? And so sometimes your heart says, Hey, just shut up and listen to this. Yeah. And that's kind of your, you know, your intuition. You know, every athlete I work with, I, I teach them these. And there's like eight techniques that I can teach them on how to develop this and how to work it and how to train it. You know, with the athletic world, we spend so much time and money on the body, but we hardly spend any time on the mental side and the emotional side, you know. I mean, an athlete that's emotionally strong is just going to be a better athlete. But yeah. isn't that true within everything we do in life, no matter who we are? Mm -hmm. Okay, what's your, what's your most stressful job you've had, Parker? Uh, being a CNA at a nursing home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. So wouldn't it, could you have seen your job becoming better if you were more coherent? So like a state of ease where you could flow. I kind of call it liquid flow or, you know, kind of liquid where, where y you just make these great decisions throughout the day. Yeah. Cause the CNA, you're, that's, that's a stressful job. 
Yeah, it can be pretty pretty intense. Yeah, you can get caught up in all that stress, and that's not good for you, you know. And that you know that can bring on depression. It can bring on, you know, uh, physical ills. You know, a whole bunch of different things. If I could teach you techniques in a stressful situation on how to deal with it in a better way with your heart, it just makes sense that I think people would want to, you know, want to learn that. And I'm, I'm just getting ready to work with a big hospital out here in Colorado on teaching nurses how to, how to deal with this stress, you know, nurses is the same type of thing, man. It's such a high stress job. Yeah. You know, they have, they have so much on their plate to do and, you know, it's, 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 um, the stress is a little bit different than when you're an athlete, you're an athlete, you win or lose, but when you're a nurse, you could lose lives. Yeah. And so being able to deal with that is, is just a really cool, cool thing that you can do. So, you know, those techniques and stuff, I just, I just, uh, you know, hopefully when, when the people listen to the podcast, they'll understand that, Hey, maybe I should just start thinking about my heart just a little bit more. They can certainly reach out. I, you know, to me, that's, that's fine. Um, but if they could just think more about their heart and the intelligence that it has and the intuition, and it's a gift, you know, it's a gift that most people don't understand or even know about. Yeah. Well, I've got, um, I guess just two questions to go along with, with those things. And I get for the listeners who are listening in and want to learn and, and I guess just start applying, um, how they can better, I guess, access that flow state. Would you say like one of the big ways, um, to do that is through gratitude? Oh yeah. So I can teach them real quick and I've never done this on a podcast cause you can't see me, but I can teach them a concept and it's a little technique. And since you said gratitude, this is, this will be awesome. Okay. And so it's called heart focused breathing. There's different techniques that I teach athletes and these techniques were developed so that they're real simple. So that when you're driving in crazy Rexburg, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> On move-in day, it's dri- definitely that way. <laughs> when you're driving in a big city, somebody cuts in front of you, slams on your brake, and I'm notoriously bad at this. I'm trying to get better, but man, I'm always, my wife has said, why do you have to teach people how to drive all the time? You know, <laughs> and so that's just kind of, so I'm trying to work on this, this heart, you know, I, let me teach you, I'm going to teach him one other. It's called freeze frame, this technique. Okay. And so what you're going to do, the freeze frame part is something that I guess in the movies, you know, it was, it was uh, taken to freeze one frame of a movie. Okay. So it's kind of a multi-purpose technique and it can be used in the moment for gaining clarity, you know, and stopping these energy drains that we talked about earlier. Okay, it helps balance your mind and emotions so that you can be more creative and make better choices. It freeze frame, it helps you gain a clearer and balanced perspective by accessing 
the intelligence of our heart. So freeze frame technique, it allows you to do, uh, use more of the smart brain thinking. Sometimes we get so jammed up, we're out of sync, you know, and we're stressed out and our brain's going crazy. So it kind of helps you with this, you know, kind of thinking. So here's a little technique real quick. So you acknowledge the problem or issue that you're feeling. So if you're frustrated, you just say, hey, you know, I'm feeling frustrated. Because see, most people, when they feel frustrated, what do they do? Right off the top of my head, I just think people start complaining or focusing on the negative. Yeah. Yeah. So, and what does that do in turn? It makes you feel worse, right? It's that vicious cycle. Yeah. You think and then you feel and then you feel and then you think and then it becomes, and then you're just, you become so angry and frustrated, right? So just acknowledge that you're frustrated, then focus your attention in the area of your heart. So you can kind of imagine your breath flowing in and out of your chest area or your heart. I have, you know, I I tell athletes, you know, think of it as just breathing through your heart, which we know you can't do, but it takes your thoughts to your heart. Okay. And then I, I, it's the part of the little process is you inhale for five seconds and exhale for five seconds. You get in a rhythm. Okay. You get in a rhythm of this kind of deeper breathing. It's not like mega deep and you don't have to close your eyes or anything. You just get in this, this kind of rhythm. So, and then you talked about gratitude, make a sincere attempt to feel gratitude, any kind of regenerative feeling, appreciation, you know, whatever that is, take it to your heart, okay? And then you can kind of just ask yourself, maybe what is a more efficient or better way that I can solve this problem? Easy little thing, you know, it only takes a little bit of time. And then if we just sit quiet for just a little bit, okay, and just observe if there's any kind of perceptions or attitudes or feelings, any kind of, you know, things that can benefit an attitude shift. So, you know, if you learn to do this, you're going from somebody just pulled out in front of you, slammed on your brakes. Now you're angry. You understand you're angry. So if you take that attention and you focus the attention to your heart, that automatically shifts that anger, right? So you kind of, now it might, this isn't a magic pill. You have to train it. You have to learn how to do it. You're not going to go instantly from being angry to happy. That's not, you know, the kind of the plan. But if you start training it, then you take your attention to your heart, inhale five seconds, exhale five seconds, then just think of something with gratitude. And that was, sorry, that was a long way to, to answer your question. But gratitude, it is such a good thing it's really great for your body i teach athletes how to forgive which is a weird thing right we don't (laughs) um, when we think of athletic performance we don't you typically think about forgiveness but forgiveness is such a good thing you know we look at it as a spiritual thing but if you look at it just the physiological things that happens to your body when you forgive something man you need to forgive as soon as you can because if you don't, you keep reaching back in the past, and in the past is where all the frustration, anger, hurt, all that stuff. So we keep reaching back and keep reaching back and keep reaching back. 
we keep feeling those feelings. We keep releasing those chemicals in our body that makes us not feel so great. So you could see how important being able to forgive somebody is so great for your soul and your body. So understanding and then showing that gratitude. So you said you had two questions. What's the second one? Yeah. Well, and then with what you just said, I <laughs> kind of got another question, but the looking back to the past all the time, um, why do you think it is that we do that? Why are we so addicted to looking backwards and like focusing on those negative things that aren't even here anymore? Yeah. So it's a, it's a weird thing. There's been studies that have been done that, you know, we build these neural pathways in our brain and I actually believe I've read some sort of studies that, you know, I'm not sure how factual it is, but I actually believe that um, I think some people are addicted to being negative. They're addicted to the pain. They feel something that way. They're just, a, you know, and you, you might know some people where it's like, man, I just want to stay away from that person because it just brings me bad mojo. You know, I feel bad vibes around this person. Yeah. You know, and, and because they're so negative. So I think we build these pathways in our brain. It makes it become easier and easier and easier for us to keep looking back. Man, one of the things that I, you know, with athletes, the greatest athletes, they don't look back anymore. They're, they're just focused on the future, the next shot, the next play, because if they look back, they know what happens to their performance. You know, it goes down. Mm -hmm. And so the, the greatest athletes, they just basically have no memory, you know, is what it comes down to. They miss one shot. They don't care because they know they're great. So they're going to make the next shot. Yeah. They don't sit and stew in it. I think that's one thing. And, in you know, in training our thoughts, I, I train athletes about their thoughts, you know, standing guard at the door of your mind. You can't just let every stupid thought come in I teach athletes about ants, automatic negative thoughts. And they're sneaky, little, and they sneak in and they'll take your brain over if you let them. Those kind of thoughts also you start messing with your heart too. Yeah, definitely. This is a good kind of sequel to your previous episode. I definitely encourage listeners who haven't listened to go back and check out that episode too because you learn so much about those neuropathways and the brain. And then in this one, we learn so much more about the heart and how we can connect our brain with our heart and get into that flow state. Uh, and then the, I guess just to kind of, I'm backtracking a little bit, but the second uh, question that I had, it's actually a question that I found online a few weeks ago. And I really would like to post it on my Instagram stories too, to see what people's uh, responses are to it. But uh, the question is, are my actions guided by love or by fear? And that question really just kept coming back to me uh, in my head when you were when you were talking more towards the beginning of this episode about seeing trials not as something that you're going to shy away from and be scared of, but more of like a I can do hard things kind of situation and you take it upon yourself more as like a challenge like oh yeah I got this this is just another thing in my way but I'm going to do it and you tackle it rather than run away from it 
And so I just kind of wanted to see your thoughts, or I guess since we're podcasting, <laughs> hear your thoughts on <laughs> on uh, on that question and the whole concept of guide of guiding ourselves uh, with love or, or or by fear. So you know, um, fear has you know it has something to do with our human species. You know, I mean, it, it's there for a reason. But if you're motivated all the time by fear. I just think a much better motivator is love, right? You love what you do. You love the people, you know. And would that be like a difference between brain and heart? Like the brain is fear and the heart is love? So that's a great connection that you just made. Totally, you know, totally. And so, so, okay, here's, here's something that's really cool. So the study of heart, our heart is the biggest electromagnetic field it has more electricity than our brain. Matter of fact, like 60 times more. So our heart can, re- it can radiate throughout our skin. So they're finding out now it's 360 degrees all around us, and it can be measured. They're saying it could be measured maybe 6 to 10 feet away from us, this electromagnetic field. And so... Just think if everybody was motivated in, in a way of love and if we would connect with each other in this kind of this magnetic field, how much better our lives would be with that. It's funny. I'm developing a, a, a process on how to work with teams. And just think if the teams were all coherent and they have this field that could be you know, maybe 10 feet, six feet. Can you imagine how, how great a team would perform if they were all coherent and in flow state with each other, not just with their own physiology, but with each other being, it's like, it's almost like you can predict more where he's going to be to pass the ball. You know, I mean, you, you run plays and everything, but just more intuitive when you're up in the air, you know? So I, I just really believe that I think our lives would be better if we kind of ran it more by our heart instead of our, our mind all the time. Now I'm not, the brain is a, you know, it's an awesome thing. And that's, that's, I've studied that a lot, but if we can bring more heart into what we're doing, no matter what we're doing, we'll be better. I love that. And that also just kind of reminded me of just the pure, I guess, concept of human connection. Like there are those times, you know, where you just feel more of a connection with somebody that you don't have with other people. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in like dating and love, but just your everyday people, you could meet a stranger that you're just like, oh my gosh, you and I are connecting on a whole other level right now that I don't typically connect to other people, uh, in that same way. Um, which I think is, is crazy um, that that's a, that that's possible as well. You just, you find people and I think you can feel that, that energy between them and their hearts and you relate to them more than others. Totally. And so, you know, just, just think of work, Parker, just think if everybody could come in coherent at your workplace, just think how much better work would be. Yeah, Definitely. Right. Instead of the stresses and the struggles and stuff. Now, it's not to say, you know, it's not to say that you're not going to have that. You, you know, it's life. You're always going to have 
but it's how you deal with it, right? You're going to run into, you know, challenging situations, you know, you know, are you resilient? Are you able to bounce back, recuperate faster in a challenging situation? Wouldn't it be great if we kind of all were more coherent with each other? Just think if a parent was more coherent with their kids. You know, I've had my kids talking to me and, and they'll say stuff that they'll say stuff that they know I wouldn't um, let them do, but they'll say it because they know I'm not listening. Yeah. If I could become more coherent with my children, you know, really look at them while they're speaking and connect in a way, have that connection with your child. Man, that's just gold connection with your children. You know, I mean, I, I know, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there struggling in marriages. Just think if you could connect in a different way in a marriage, how much better your marriage would be. Yeah. And one thing kind of ringing a bell again for me is, or, and this, this probably resonated with me because of my beatboxing uh, background, but the word rhythm, I love that when, especially when talking about a heart, you know, or our hearts, um, just being in rhythm with yourself and with others. It's so great. So here's something really exciting. So, you know, if people want to look me up, it's Jeff Meyer Mental Edge. That's my website right now. But I'm developing another web website, and I just bought the domain name, and the domain name is going to be Mental Rhythm. Oh, I love that. So, so it's going to be the mental part, and then the rhythm is your heart. And we all know when you're in rhythm, everything is better. Absolutely. No, I love that. I think you're onto something. I, I mean, I get excited for you too. Cause I think, uh, I think you're about to just blow up and help a lot of people. And that, that excites me. Well, and I, I, you know, at my age, I'm uh 57, <clears throat> a young 57. I told my wife that 57 is the new 30. I just look at it and I just believe I want to spend the rest of my life teaching people that their life can be better if you just add heart to it. We've said it over and over again, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be an athlete. It can be a mom. It can be, you know, a kid that's struggling in college. You know, if they would just listen to their heart a little bit more, their mind becomes clear, becomes easier for them to retain information, which that's what college is all about, right? Yeah. Well, and then a word that just popped in my head is awareness. I think, uh, and this helps too, because this is a very, I guess, passion-based podcast and like helping people pursue what they love and also find uh, doing what they love if they need a little boost with that. But just awareness of what your heart is telling you. Like if you're drawn to a specific thing, uh, specific people, specific tasks, if you find that you're drawn to something and that you love doing it, then that's, you know, that's a little clue from your heart that you're on the right path, I think. Perfect. Perfectly said. See, we don't, you know, in our, especially men in our society, this is like we said, this isn't, uh, I think it's getting more and more accepted. And now the science behind it, you know, for athletes, so I can go in and, you know, work with an athlete and say, you know, 
they'll say, oh, you know, this is kind of fluffy stuff. But then I can show them the science behind it, and then they'll listen. But it's exactly right. If we were just be more aware. So tomorrow, if everybody listening, you know, the next day could be just more aware of their heart and understand, you know, because I have a whole bunch of techniques that I, I teach kids and they, it's not just kids, but athletes, you know, um, if you, if you understand this and you start training it, you raise your baseline for receiving more information. You'll be, it'll be become more um, intuitive things. You know, like we said at the first of the podcast, there are some times in my life where I said, okay, I'm not doing that just instantly. It wasn't my brain telling me. I just instantly said, I'm not doing that. And it's always seemed to turn out really good for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so just listening to your heart, we don't do that very often. Yeah. And I'm glad that you're, you're out there with that message because I feel like that's just something not talked about very often as well. Yeah. So anybody that will, you know, well, I just think it can change their life. I think you're, you're, like I said, your life will be better if you put more heart into, you know, we've heard all the sayings, you know, you know, as an athlete, go play with your heart, you know, show them a little heart, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's no really meaning behind it. Well, now there's some meaning behind it because there's 30 years worth of science. Just like you said, that heart-brain communication, and then it actually communicates to our nervous system too. So every beat of our heart, when you feel our pulse, that's a message sending out. So when you feel that, that's a message. There's different messages going on. And so our nervous system, our brain, and our heart, and there's other systems that get involved as well. But when all that starts becoming coherent, man, that's the that's where that's where the greatest things happen, and that's where you know Martin Luther King said, "I have a dream," you know, and I, I I've studied this enough to when that kind of stuff flows out, that creativity and stuff, that's in flow state, and if we can be in flow state more, that's high performance, and high performance is where greatness is. I love that. Just takes it all back to the title too, the harness the brain power of your heart. Right. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for for opening up to the upbeat audience and to to me and to sharing all this information with us. It's incredibly helpful and it gives us a whole other unique perspective uh, that we can learn from and start applying in our lives right now. Yeah. And, and I just, I'm really excited. Thanks for having me on the second time. So <laughs> I want to, maybe I could get a plaque or something. <laughs> I think that would be, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, that you would know, be way cool. It's like the second time on Upbeat. But like I said, you know, when we began, I just think it's a, it's a really cool thing what you're doing. And I can, it can reach so many people in such a different way. Um, so, you know, to everybody out there, you know, start living, add heart to everything you do and your life will be better. Well said. Uh, and it was an honor having you on the show a second time. And I wouldn't be surprised if 
uh, we have a, a third a third round as well sometime in the in the future. You know I'm game, baby. <laughs> you know, and one other thing, just in closing, I think one thing that we don't do enough, and especially in our society with phones and technology and everything. I I just read a study the other day that that said the average college student loses focus six to ten times a minute. Holy cow! <laughs> and I'm thinking, I mean, that oh, makes a man. lot of sense now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, if we would just sit still in our heart, our life would be more clear. We'd be more patient. We'd be kinder. A lot of things, great things would happen if we would just take the time to sit still in our heart. And I mean, you know, developing that heart-brain communication just becomes clearer, just becomes easier. It's that state of ease or that flow. And if we, you're actually building your brain when you do that, but you're also building your heart. Mm -hmm. So building those two things just by sitting still, say 10 minutes a day, no commute, you know, no technology, turn your phone off, you know, find a quiet room and just sit that ease, take all the pressure off your shoulders. And you'll, they say a, this kind of meditation is actually deeper than the deepest sleep that you you can get when you sleep so if you learn to meditate this way it rejuvenates your body you know it it uh, repairs muscle tissue faster it can lower your cholesterol level take all the pressure off your heart it's a great thing so i guess that'd be a little challenge maybe that i would have for everybody Find time to just sit and be in your heart. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing that little piece of advice too with us here at the end of the episode. Um, some just last minute thoughts that I think needed to uh, needed to be here. And someone out there, uh, probably all of us out there actually really needed to hear that. And I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept that challenge. I'm excited. Great. I, yeah, and that it's awesome. And it, You'll see a big difference. Your life will change because of it. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Jeff, for being on Upbeat a second time. I appreciate you being here, uh, and I wish you all the best. I'm excited to to see what else what else you're up to and what else you do. Great. And same with me, Parker. Keep beatboxing. Mm-hmm.